literally an institution in this town of digging up old photos, old stories, collections, everything you can imagine under the sun about this great city. Greasy spoons, dives, old clubs. If you love this city, you're going to love it even more. Real people, real stories, real places. This is the Austin Found Podcast. Welcome back to Austin Found. I'm J.B. Hager. And I'm Michael Barnes. Today we get the pleasure of profiling someone that had been described by one of her sons as the unofficial mayor of East Austin. That's right. Josefina Zamaripa. Josefina. But Jose- she went by... Fina. Fina. Yes. Fina, Fina was her Which is name. easier to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Fina was a pretty amazing woman. And we'll get more into her influence on East Austin and involvement. But what's remarkable about when you read about her is she had 14 children. That's right. And she wasn't highly educated. Her husband was only in school from what, up till third grade or something and started working. She goes on to have 14 children, very well educated. Well, the, the one of them died at two years old, but the 13 survivors, all of them graduated high school. 11 of them went to college. Uh, eight of them graduated from college, and two of them got their law degrees. In, in fact, uh, one of them, uh, a doctor of law at, I'm not saying the degree correctly, mm-hmm. from Georgetown University. So coming from a, a family that was originally mainly agricultural and then East Austin growing up. Agricultural in Creedmoor. In Creedmoor. Creedmoor. It couldn't have been an easy life. It wasn't. And her husband died of a heart attack. And the same year that they lost the two-year-old and that she gave birth to the youngest child. So pretty much she raised 13 kids herself in a two-bedroom house on Tillery Street. Okay. Say that again for everyone listening. She alone raised 13 kids. Now, she did have some help from relatives. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the, the eldest son, Lupe, went to stay with a nat and uncle for a while. Actually, for a long time. And I'm just thinking about people listening to this who their kids have their own rooms. Right. And still can't get along. No. <laughs> no. And there, so there were like, at one time, six girls in one room. Absolutely. In bunk beds with a trundle underneath. Most of the boys slept in the other bedroom. And the parents slept in what would have normally been the living room. And yet they seem to have had, other than the tragedies that we've talked about, mostly wonderfully fun and, and normal lives. And, and I got to know them better by going to that house and where they gathered, 10 of the children gathered. And it was not long after her passing. Yeah, she right? passed in May. And they all got together and, you know, they told great family stories. It's like you, you got invited into this emotional family moment, right? right? So these people are how old? The, I mean, this, they're, the they're about my age. They're through the 50s through their 70s. And they're, they're getting back together after yeah. the passing of their mother in their childhood home. Right. It had to be an incredible moment. It was high energy. It was... It, it, there wasn't much grieving because she had a dementia in her later years. So she, they, 
knew she was going to pass. And, and that's a lot different than suddenly losing a mm-hmm. friend or relative. At this point, they were celebrating all the great things about her and all of the wonderful cooking and sewing and neighborhood activism, and we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. But while she was raising those kids, she was also an incredible activist for environmental justice, for school programs, for street safety. And How did she have a minute I know. To do these things. (laughs) I have one child who occupies a good chunk of my day. Well, you know, I had not thought of this when I wrote wrote the story. The story that uh, we're talking about ran in the American Statesman a few weeks before. We're now in mid-August 2021. But this ran in uh, uh, July 25th, 2021. And you can find it online at statesman.com. The older kids kind of help raise the younger ones is always the case in large families. I thought growing up that we had a large family because I'm the eldest of six. But when you're the eldest of 14 or 13, <laughs> right. it's a completely different setup. Just to mention the, the age difference from, from yeah. the, between us. But they have happy memories. And one of my love was all the kids were complaining. They didn't have air conditioning. They had like these coolers which don't do very much in in austin's humidity and so the kids were complaining they couldn't go to sleep it was too hot mm-hmm. so an, an elder daughter got them all out in the backyard and hosed them down <laughs> and said <laughs> now go to bed <laughs> that's a good solution to it yeah what i loved about this piece you wrote is you identified each of the children that you clearly got to spend some time with And they each shared some stories Mm. about mom. I'll tee up a couple of these for you, and then you can go into them a little bit. We won't have time to do all of them. But at one point, one of her children was telling her about her chasing off a city worker when uh, because it was like a water pipe bust in front of their house. Yeah, uh, some city worker uh, was uh, using a bulldozer or some, some other machinery like that and broke a water main and the water started streaming into their house. Fina came out and chased him down the street and said, you get back here and fix this right now. And he <laughs> just took off and left. But she was pretty fearless. You know, in pictures, she looks diminutive and shy and sweet, but she was tough as nails. And you have to be to, to have raised those kids on her. Well, own. and also to, to go out into the world and, and have, the kind of impact that she had on her neighborhood and her city. Again, stack yourself up as a parent and all the things you do with one or two, maybe three kids. Her daughter, Barbara, was sharing with you a story about how mom, Fina, would make all the kids clothes. Right. She would sew at night after everyone had gone to sleep because no one would bother her then, and she took sewing classes from the librarian at Brook Elementary, and she would buy material and really simple patterns at Windstore on Seventh Street, East Seventh Street, and she made jumpers and pull-on pants with suspenders. So she was—I mean, she was she would cook empanadas; those were among her famous dishes. And she'd send everybody to school in the morning with hot cream of wheat, you know, <laughs> something to to get them through the morning. And yet, there was still in their stories. All these wonderful moments where, yeah, and then she, if there was any money left over, she would send us down to the Paramount Theater or the State Theater to uh, watch movies. Oh, wow. So, 
and she was a big movie fan herself. Mm-hmm. She loved movie music. And she also, Lawrence of Arabia or mm-hmm. Gone with or something like that, later got very fond of classical music, symphonic music, opera, and so forth. Because her son was on the board, her elder son, Lupe, was on the board of the symphony. And he'd take, like a good son, his mother, to the concerts. And she became this big fan of uh, symphonic music and opera. Wow, they're already showing me up as a parent. A parent. <laughs> now, the, what, look at what the children are doing for mom. I got to. I got to raise my game. Yeah. Uh, there's another great story too. Uh, her daughter Carol talking about a, a divine moment in a hospital that that Fina had, and it's thread throughout her mm-hmm. story, her faith off, her, the, off the charts. She was very pious. I think of my mother as being a pious Catholic. Uh, Athena was uh, much, even more so. And she very much had God in her life every day. She very much believed in miracles and visions. And one time when she'd been in an accident, she was in the hospital. She may have even been near death, but she saw a man with long hair and robes come in and minister to her. And it was Jesus to her. And so, and she had this very personal relationship with God. So she went to St. Julia Catholic Church, which is over off of East 7th Street, longtime parishioner there. And then the story that really got me, and it puts a lot of things in perspective. Her son, Lupe, shared a story with you about just one Christmas, but it just paints a, a <laughs> picture that will knock your socks off. She was convinced that Santa Claus would visit their family. And like a grandmother said, oh, no, Santa's got to go to the west side of Austin to deliver toys to the rich kids. So we're not going to get it. And then she she said, uh, put Put your tortillas, your half tortilla that you're getting for dinner, under your arms to warm it up because we don't have any wood for the stove. Oh. So she went out because she was convinced Santa Claus was coming. Fina went out and found a discarded Christmas tree in an alley, put it in a coffee can with some rocks to hold it up. And she said, Santa Claus is coming. You know, there was a lot of honking outside Christmas Eve. And she goes to the window and she says, Santa Claus is here. Of course, it was an uncle. <laughs> <laughs> uncle Julian, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and he brought all kinds of you know tamales and other seasonal foods and stuff like that. And he, he might as well have, have brought the most fabulous toys in the world because they just knew that Santa Claus cared that's, about them. That, that's the incredible thing. It's, yeah, it's not like he showed up with bicycles and video games. No. It was... It was some food to some celebrate food. together. Well, this was the Depression. <laughs> they, yeah. they were searching for food wherever they could get it. And How did she get on your radar to get invited to this get-together? Well, multiple things. She, first of all, she's a limon, which means through her mother. And the limons are probably the most extensive Hispanic family in Austin ancestrally. There are 3,500 of them, and, mm. and the vast majority live in the Austin area. If you grew up in East Austin uh, in a previous generation and you were part of that vast family, you were called a limonada. The limones, because of the size of their family, became very powerful politically. The first Hispanic city councilman, 
John Trevino was a limon. Hmm. So, and Fina was a limon. And so I had gotten to know Lonnie Limon, who is uh, a very much an advocate. He's in the advertising business, very much an advocate of telling about the the old lions and lionesses of East Austin. So we would exchange these stories. And I wrote about his family and, and you know, others, the patrons that ran the political scene before it became a political scene. They weren't the activists. They were the ones you went to for help. That's the generation that Fina was from, that generation of people who just held the community together, her almost by her apron strings. I heard from Lupe after his mother passed in May. And he says, well, you know, an obituary ran in the paper, but what if there was more? And I said, tell me. Yeah, <laughs> you know? right. So so it was. this was all on your radar. Like, yeah, okay, I definitely want to. I had read that. the obituary, and I had only barely known about her. Okay. Uh, I knew the name, but I had never met her that I know of. Uh, Lupe helped me get together the, the, the gang, uh, over on Tillery Street mm-hmm. and and help guide me through the stories of the other siblings. Very, very cool story. Again, this goes way, way deeper on, on a, lot, a lot of the children and, and uh, her whole history. And what a remarkable woman. It's so great that, that, uh, that you got to spend time with this family. And, and I wish I'd known story. her. I yeah. wish I'd known her. And, and that's one of the things that when you open the newspaper every day and – you know, sometimes the obituaries are like, yeah, okay. But then you find out. You know, I do this all the time. I mean, I've been a daily newspaper reader for 30 plus years. <laughs> I read the obituaries. Oh, yeah. And quite often I'll go, man, I wish I'd met exactly. that person. Exactly. And so I try to profile people while they're living, obviously. Mm-hmm. But if they've passed and they have an interest, had, had an interesting life, then I do something more like a memory story. And that's what this was, more of a memory story. I, I think that a lot of people who you, you may never have guessed had these rich and interesting lives, what fun it is to find out what their lives were like. If you want to dig deeper into that story, Google Josefina Zamaripa. Right. Josefina Zamaripa. Zamaripa. Two R's. And search, <laughs> yeah, Michael Barnes, Austin American State. You'll find that story. Uh, it's a really good deep dive. I can't imagine how many people know one of these children mm-hmm. <laughs> that might hear this That's and, right. and want to dig a little bit deeper. We would love to get your questions, comments, feedback, any of that. You can write to us. M. Barnes at statesman.com. Or J. Hager, H-A-G-E-R, at statesman.com. I do have a little story about somebody who Uh-oh. got in contact with me, somebody who's a listener to the show. Oh. She started reading my stories in the San Angelo paper, which is part of our chain. Mm-hmm. There are those Think Texas stories. So she already knew my stuff when she and her husband moved to town. She teaches two-step at... Uh, broken, spoke. broken spoke and her husband's a musician and then she told me that she's learning austin physically mm-hmm. geographically by listening to austin found and going to the places that were that we mentioned in the story ah. <laughs> and the reason i got to meet her was because she asked me to meet her at book people and sign 
uh, the first three volumes of Indelible Austin. Oh, so very anyway, cool. now you're giving me an idea of an interactive Austin map. <laughs> Where you can mouse over it and find a story and go to the I've been trying to get to one of those made forever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's not going to happen. <laughs> well, no, I might. There's actually a really neat guy at, at Facebook who's working on one. <laughs> you know, we, we There's probably some 12-year-old kid listening who could crank that out over a weekend. Yeah. You never know. You never know. But, uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in. Pass this on to your friends. Post it on socials if you have time. Whatever outlet you choose to listen to it whether it's itunes google play whatever spotify if you could do a review and give it stars plenty of stars the most stars you can Mm -hmm. that would help get the word out too (laughs) we would appreciate that but thanks for tuning in to austin found happy trails happy trails